Let's turn to Second uh, Samuel chapter 1. Uh, the message will barely touch on the text, but you've got to have one, right? <laughs> so I picked one. Uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning about uh, friendships. And uh, it's, it's going to be, I suppose it'll sound a little bit teachy, uh, just be kind of, you know, one, two, three. Uh, but I'm coming to you with a confidence that this is what God would have me to say to you this morning. Uh, I, I always do pray and ask the Holy Spirit what it is I'm supposed to say. Uh, I believe that God has a message for us each time that we assemble. Uh, I believe that God knew that you were going to be here today. And uh, I didn't know who was going to be here, but God knew who was going to be here. And I believe that God knows... Uh, the needs in our life, the things that we need to be reminded of, uh, or the things that uh, we should be taught. And I do believe he can direct us in that. So I, I just felt uh, that I was to speak to you about uh, friendships. Uh, it's something that uh, uh, affects us all. I was talking to one of the uh, men who had got saved in our church in Thailand last night. He uh, he video called me, the, the boy who was a soldier, he video called me and you're uh, talking to me in, obviously in Thai and he said, I'm a little bit stressed <clears throat> and I said, what's happening? And uh, anyway, he told me he'd been uh, trying to share the gospel with his, uh, his father who is dying and uh, how his father had got angry at him and, uh, and then uh, his sister had texted him, you know, different, different family dynamic over there. His sister had texted him and said, uh, uh, Father said to tell you, do not try to teach me anything again. You are my son. And uh, one of the big obstacles over there is that it is culturally not acceptable for a younger child to teach the parents. And if you're from Asian culture or some other culture, and frankly, it even happens in Aussie culture a little bit sometimes, but, but more so over there, it's just deemed to not be appropriate. It doesn't matter what's right or true, or even if you know more, it's disrespectful for you to try to teach me. I teach you, I tell you, you don't. And that's actually an obstacle to a lot of people getting help, if you could see that, because sometimes... Uh, our adult children might discover something that would be very helpful for us to learn, uh, but our pride uh, in listening to the younger can stop us uh, hearing some things that we need to hear. And we've got to be careful with that. And so I was just, we were chatting about that, and then we went on to other things. He told me he'd found a Bible verse that had really touched him, and he said, if I ever get a chance to share this, I'm going to share this verse. And then he said to me, <laughs> he said, how, how does God tell you when you preach? Like he was trying to understand it. He's come from background of Buddhism. He said, how does it work? <clears throat> he said, do you find a Bible verse first or do you have an idea or what, what, how does it work? And I said, well, it's, you know, it comes in different ways. But I said, uh, the Holy Spirit usually will have something to say to us at any given moment. And uh, it's a matter of trying to discern that. What is it that the Lord would say to us? If you read the, uh, the books of the Bible, the, the epistles in the New Testament, you'll find that they are addressed to people in churches and they said specific things to specific groups of people. And the reason for that is that that was the need of the time. Now, we read it all and what we've now got is a great amount of wonderful instruction from God. But those things were addressing specific needs in different churches. So I just felt to talk to you uh, about friendship. I picked the reading that I picked because, like I say, I had to have one. And uh, the end of, uh, you know, it's, it celebrates the, the friendship that uh, David had uh, with Jonathan and, may I say, even so with Saul. Uh, but you would say, well, Saul was not a friend uh, to David, that's probably true, but David remained a friend to Saul. Uh, a, a man much wiser than I said once, he said, uh, he said uh, you, uh, you don't have to be my friend, but you can't stop me being your friend. And uh, so uh, 
that was a bit how it was with, with David. He determined that uh, he would remain Saul's friend and I think proved that on several occasions, even though uh, Saul had not uh, reciprocated in kind. And then uh, David talks uh, at the end about his friendship with Jonathan and says, uh, you know, a lot of people get sort of awkward when they read the text there uh, in verse uh, uh, 26, but he just talks about the uniqueness of their friendship, uh, of the love that they had for one another. And, uh, and what he's saying is that, you know, we had something that was really deep. Normally, I think if you're married, probably your spouse is the person you're closest to and, and who would know you the most, and you probably have a level of intimacy there. And I'm not talking physical, but I'm just talking your connections, your understandings. Uh, of each other and he was just saying with Jonathan it was like that it was at that high level of uh, and clearly it was a a special friendship and so uh, what I want you to do as we look at this this morning is I want you to if you care to uh, learn what the Lord would have you to understand about friendships I like all the young people to pay particular attention this morning as uh, I give you some uh, principles about your friendships. Uh, many times I see people seem to be in and out of friendships. And, uh, and that raises questions about what kind of friendship they apparently had in the first place. Uh, many times what happens is that uh, we do not apply Bible teaching or we do not apply the perspective or the teaching of God to these areas of our life. Are you listening? So what we will do, we will separate in our life between the things that we deem to be the sacred, that might be church or or supposed things that you have classified as spiritual. And uh, when you meet those times in your life, when you're in church or you're doing a spiritual thing, uh, you get God-minded in that. But then you go and live the rest of your life just how you live it as if God didn't have anything to say about all the other areas of life. You know, your mental health will be better if you follow the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God in how you live. God has spoken to us about uh, things that pertain to work. If you want to know what kind of boss you should be, the Bible speaks about that. If you want to know what kind of worker you should be, the Bible speaks about that. If you want to know what you're supposed to do with your money, if you want to know the right response to government, the Bible speaks about that. Uh, there are many, many things that are in the Bible that uh, seemingly we, we, we just ignore, we pass over. And that's troubling because what happens is we have Christians who have this little part of their life that is sacred, but then 90% of their life, God has no part in that. They don't live any different to the world. Now, by the way, people like that tend to find each other. Some people choose that. You know, they want to go to church and have a sacred spiritual encounter for an hour and a half and then go home in the afternoon and have a beer and a barbie and just sort of get on with normal life like everybody else. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person by any means. But it just means that maybe you're not appropriating the things that God has given us, the wisdom of God that would help you in your life and help you to avoid a lot of heartache in your life. You just sort of pass over that. And I I get concerned sometimes that we, we have not examined enough what we should be to our friends and what our friends should be to us and how we should conduct ourselves with our friends. Uh, Christianity, when we call somebody Christ-like, and that's a wonderful compliment that you could pay anybody to say that they're Christ-like. But when we're saying that somebody is Christ-like, what we're really saying is their conduct matches that of Jesus. The The way they act, what they do, is like Jesus would do. That's what Christ-likeness is. And so if you aspire to be Christ-like, uh, then, then 
you should make it a goal to understand what God says about all the areas of your life and do your best to conduct yourself in accordance with the principles and the teachings that you have received from God through the Word of God in all areas of life, including the area of friendship. Now, when you apply the principles of God in your life, let me say, firstly, they work. They, they work because God made you and he made us and he made the world and he designed all the things that are around us and he knows how it works at its best. And he hasn't left us ignorant of what we should do. He's given us instructions. So friendships, let's have a think about that. Uh, they're important to us. Friendships are, are given to us of God. Now, I think if I said marriage is given to us of God, everybody readily agrees with that. We can see that God created marriage, and he did. But uh, sometimes we think friendships are just haphazard things that just sort of happen. But actually, friendship is given to us of God as much as marriage is. They're different things, and they're not, they're not uh, competing things. But God gives us friendships. God brings people into your life uh, that have come to you of God and uh, it's gifted to you and God gifts these friendships to you to give you some company on the road of life, uh, some help, some comforters, uh, some people that you can uh, even learn from. We're often encouraged or comforted by the words of our friends, or, or just their presence in our life. Uh, sometimes we understand our lives better by seeing and sharing in the life of our friends. It helps us to understand better. You know, it's become uh, more important to me as I've moved to another culture uh, to, to I, I, guess, I guess friendships have just become more important to me Whilst I have friendships over in Thailand, my friendships uh, here uh, and uh, in uh, other places have become very important to me. Uh, when some good thing happens to me in Thailand, I want to share it. Uh, I want to I send a picture, a message. I, I want to tell someone. And, uh, and I, I, just, I, I, I just need someone to be able to do that with. Uh, if I'm in a moment of uh, despondency... I like it if I can just, you know, reach out to my friends a little bit because often just their understanding uh, or a brief word of encouragement uh, just helps me to get through that hour. And I realise as I look at my life, I can now plot back at this age of life and I can see the people that God brought into my life and gifted to me as friends that I would need uh, in my journey of serving him. So there are some principles in the Bible about friends. And uh, if you care to know, I will, I will give you some. Now, I can't exhaust the subject. Uh, you, you understand that if you do a word study on friends, you, you can't do that in 30 minutes. It's just, it's exhaustive. There's a lot there. Uh, but I'll give you some things, the ones that I think should be said this morning. So number one is this. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a, a, a statement and then sometimes I'll give you a verse. And then if not, if I don't give you a verse, just refer back to the one we read that doesn't really connect anyway. Verse, uh, point number one, uh, be the kind of friend you want your friends to be. So this is, this is Christ-like conduct. Be the kind of friend that you would want your friends to be. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh close, closer than a brother. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Now, th that's saying a little bit more than, you know, just be a friendly guy. It's saying if you're to have friends, then, then become or take on the attributes of a friend yourself. Be that, be that yourself. Uh, so what it's saying is this, when it comes to friendships, because you want to be Christ-like, right, because you want your conduct to be like Christ, 
You're not just following everyone else. You, you've got a different view of what, how you're supposed to live life, all right? So a Christ-like approach to this is this. When it comes to friendships, you be the initiator. You, 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 you be the one who says, I'm going to show friendship to this person. I, I'm, I, I'm going to choose to be a friend to this person. And it's a decision that you make that you hope will become reciprocal, but it may not. Uh, it may not. Uh, at the last, the one who came to betray Jesus, Jesus called him friend. And that wasn't cynical or it was, it was, it was a, a Christ-like example of Jesus saying, I'm your friend even when you choose to not be my friend. And so, so be the kind of friend you want your friends to be. And what should you be? Be the example. Uh, even if they're not that to you, you be that to them. Hello, young people? Even if they're not that to you, you be that to them. So this is not a bargain. This is not a 50-50 even. You, you're deciding, uh, <coughs> I'm going to be a friend to this person and I'm going to be a good friend and I'm going to be a friend that's like Christ even when they're not being that back to me. Uh, that's Christ-like. That's what Jesus was. It's a, it's a determination of character that you just decide that. It's kind of like saying this, I'm going to love this person even if they don't love me. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to look out for their well-being and their best even when they're not doing that for me. And, and that's, that's the kind of friend that you have to decide you're going to be. Be the friend you want your friends to be. Number two, allow your friends to be open with you. To, to, to say some things to you. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Have you read that before? Have you marked that in your Bible? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Well, if I asked you, would you, would you prefer kisses or wounds? You probably would prefer kisses. And most of us would. You know, kisses are far more pleasant than woundings. But what the Bible is saying is that when these wounds come from our true friends, uh, they are better for us than, than compliments or kisses from someone who's really not for us. And that's, that's what that is saying. And so, so uh, do you allow your friends to be open with you in their talking, their discussion, their sharing. Because truth and transparency are the mark of good friends. Let me say that again. That, that you can be truthful with each other. That you can be transparent and open with each other. That's the mark of a good friendship. Now, uh, you don't allow that when you punish someone for saying something to you that you didn't want to hear. Okay, now when you do that or, or you say, I'm not going to talk to them anymore because they said this. Okay, when you do that, you've, you're violating that principle. You're, you're not allowing God to use your friends who may say something to you that's a little wounding, but it's going to be very helpful to you and turn out to be something good in your life if you would just be open enough to receive it. Now, if you're the person, by the way, who, who maybe finds yourself in a situation where you're going to say something that is a little bit wounding, I do think you need to be sensitive. I, I do think you should, be, you should think about your choice of words and you should think about who it is you're talking to. Uh, because it might be that you're talking to someone who's already quite battered and down. And so, so you don't need to use strong words. It'll be over the top. It'll be too hurtful. And you need to weigh the hour. Parents need to do this when you talk to your children. 
You know, if your child is already brokenhearted and distressed and upset about something that happened in their life and maybe it was a bad decision and you had told them and they didn't listen, you still need to be sensitive in your choice of words. It's not helpful to say to someone in that hour, I told you so. You know, like, you see, I won. You, you see what I said was right. I told you so. That is, that is not helpful. I've never known God to do that to me. I've never, I've never known God to say that to me, even when he did tell me. And I didn't listen. And I brought some grief in my life. I've never known God to, to boast himself. I, I told you so. No, what God will do is seek to comfort me. And certainly I will be taught through the process. But, but we need to be sensitive if we're going to say something. But there comes a time when maybe your friends are seeing something in your life that they can see is going to hurt you and is going to damage you. And because they are your friends and they care about you, they're going to say something that maybe right now you, you will not warmly receive. It might feel like a wounding but it might be a great help to you if you would allow that to happen. Now, I want my friends to be able to talk to me about what they want to talk to me about. And I appreciate that my, my good friends will normally try to be sensitive in how they say it because their intent is never to wound. Are you listening? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but their intent is never to wound. Their intent is to help me. They want to help me. They care. Uh, some, sometimes, uh, you know, you'll see someone in a, uh, a, dis, uh, a relationship. They're about to make a relationship choice that will be destructive to their life. And a good friend can see that. And, uh, and uh, it's going to wound you a little bit to hear it. But, but the Bible tells us that it, it can be greatly beneficial to us to listen to what our friends say. You see... Your true friends will want your best. And you should not equate wounding with somebody trying to not want your best. Are you listening? Because someone says, you know, I, I just don't think that's best for you. And the wrong response is you're just trying to take away my happiness. All right? Here's, here's another childish response. Look, young people, listen. You're just jealous of me. You're just jealous of me. Or that's childish. Okay. And you're being foolish. You're not listening. They're not jealous of you. And if what you had was a good thing that is going to help you, they're all for it. They want that. They like it when you're happy. They, want, they, they care about you. If they're actually daring to speak up, and say something, then, then be willing to receive that wounding because it might be that this is someone who truly cares for you. Your true friends will want your best. They seek to protect you. They encourage you to be the best you can. Number three, when a friend confides with you because they trust you or believe in you, don't share those things with another person. If somebody confides in you because you are their friend and they tell you some things that they, they ordinarily would not be comfortable telling anybody else, then don't, don't violate that by talking or telling something that they have told you. You have a Bible verse, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to run out, then I'm going to say, you know, it's that 2 Samuel 1. But uh, Proverbs 16, 28 says this. A fraud man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. So if somebody has confided something in you as a friend, you know, you need to... Christ-like conduct means you keep that to yourself. And, and it says something about the character of someone who will hear something from a friend. And, and often because our friends trust us, they share things that, 
that could, could, be, could make them very vulnerable. But they, they, they share it. And we have a duty when that happens to make sure that we're not that whisperer who's going to say things that will cause a separation of people. I've seen people in the church make it a point to whisper and gossip. And they'll work the phones. And they can't wait to tell stories. And the reason they do that, they have clear intent. They want to separate people. They, and typically who they want to separate, there's someone they don't like, so they talk to their friends about that person. Does this happen in your office, your workplace? And they want to poison the mind of someone else to cause them to separate. All right? A whisperer separateth friends. And God help you on judgment day if for your own cause and, and your own self-will and your own pride, you set about telling stories about other people, true or not, to, with the intent of separating friends. So if your friend confides in you, if somebody does that, you, you ought to see that as a you ought to see that as a sign of their deep friendship with you. That they, they, have, they, have, they have taken a risk to share some things with you, believing that they can trust you. But believing in your heart that you will want their best. And when that happens, we need to be careful that we don't become a whisperer because it, it separates friends. It's always a bad thing. Listen, there is no time when you should be setting about to try to keep separating people. Just, just there's never a time when you should do that. But people do do it, don't they? Number four, the best friends look out for each other's spiritual well-being. All right, so, so beyond, does my hair look right? You look lovely. Does this outfit work on me? You, you, just, you just look smashing. You know, beyond a little bit of physical care and encouragement, the best friends are also looking out for your spiritual well-being. And they're, they're wanting to, to, to see that you're doing okay spiritually and you're on the, uh, a path of blessing and not a path of heartache. And so if you have friends and you receive the gospel, when, when you, if you found out about Christ, and you have people in your life that you call your friends, then you should share the gospel with them. How would you keep something that good to yourself and still say you care? How would you watch your friends be heading to an eternity away from God in a place so bad that God called it hell and not even tell them the gospel. You know, the best friends care about their friends' spiritual well-being as well. You know that in hell there are no friendships? People say all kinds of things. You understand that, that when somebody goes to hell, everything that is of God is withdrawn from them. There's no... There's no presence of God there. And when I say that, it doesn't mean God can't see there or know what's happening. But all the blessings, everything that God gave is withdrawn at that moment. There's no light in hell. It's a place of darkness. Because the light is withdrawn. The light came as a gift of God. There's no marriages in hell because that's withdrawn. There's no friendships in hell because... That was something God gave of the earth. Uh, there's no comfort in hell. Every good thing that God gives to us here, if you die in your sins, you will go to hell. And I won't send you there. And if it was up to me, I, I, I'd just try for you not to go there. Uh, but the Bible is clear. If we die in our sins, we will be away from God in hell forever and ever and ever. And being religious will not help you. Uh, or, or hearkening back to, to Sunday school or, or remembering that you gave $30 to the Salvation Army one day, none of that is going to help you. 
Uh, salvation is found in a person coming to Christ. And you've got to choose Christ yourself. You, you can be sitting with a dozen other people who do know Christ and you don't know him and you will be separated from them at the point of your death. You'll never see them again. You've got to choose Christ yourself. You know, I said this when I was preaching two weeks ago in the Sunshine Coast. Australians have this idea that, that Christians, I'm talking about people who've chosen Christ, are people who are just a kind of a bit peculiar or they're a bit religious or they're just sort of a different breed to us. You know, they're, maybe they're just sort of church folks or something. And that's not true. That's a lie. Christ is for everybody. Christ is for every person, everywhere. And, and there aren't some people who are suited for that and some who aren't. The Bible says that everybody's a sinner and everybody needs a saviour. And Christ is our saviour. And you've got to make your decision to choose Christ. I feel sorry for people, truck drivers, uh, uh, blokes at the pub, mates we have at work, blokes we go fishing with, uh, 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 people retired, uh, uh, Aussies who think that, you know, this would not work for them or it's too late for them. It's never, ever too late. It's not too late. As long as you have a will, as long as you have life, it's not too late. It doesn't matter what you were before. It doesn't matter what you do. Don't get into this thing in your head that there's kind of churchy good people and you're not one of them. Mate, we're all sinners. We've all, we've all done things that are bad. None, none of us are worthy to heaven. Listen, under the suit, we're all rotten and corrupt. You need Christ. You need to choose Christ. It's not about religion. There are not multiple pathways that will take you to heaven. There's one saviour. God sent his only begotten son to leave heaven and come to earth to die for your sins and my sins that whosoever believes on him, trusts him with your heart, can and will be saved. Have you called out to Christ? Have you received Jesus as your saviour? We're not recruiting this morning. We're not selling anything. We don't get points or medals because you believe or you don't. We're just telling you what is true. We're just telling you what is true. And there are, there are, there are people who will hear what is true and yet reject it. But we hope that that would not be you. We would hope for your sake you would choose Christ. Uh, the best friends want to tell their friends about Jesus, about how to go to heaven. Uh, they're not trying to reform you. They're just telling you what they found out themselves. Imagine if you had a, a terrible cancer that was eating your body and the sentence of death was on you. And yet you had a friend who found a doctor who could treat that cancer successfully every time, 100%. And imagine that your friend knew that doctor and your friend could introduce you to that doctor and your cancer could go and you could be completely restored to health again. And imagine you had a friend like that who just never told you. And you would question, what kind of friend would know my condition and not even tell me where I could get help? And what I'm saying to you is if your friends, if your Christian friends are trying to tell you about Christ and about salvation. Don't get angry about that. Don't get angry about that. They're telling you because they care about you. They're telling you, and you may say, you, you, you might be surprised at that. They're telling you because they, they want you to have uh, the best thing that a person could get in their life. And that's why they're telling you. And ask them, why are you telling me this? Let them answer. That's why they're telling you, because good friends care about our friends' uh, spirituality and where they will go eternally, not just not this uh, temporality. You know, the best friends 
will want you to be at your best for God. They'll want you to have a blessed life and be used of the Lord. I remember many, many times coming to this pulpit and saying some things that needed to be said uh, that, I, that I knew the people of God needed to hear. But I also knew that some would not want to hear it. And, and painful and difficult it is to come sometimes and say what people need to hear knowing they won't like you for saying it. Uh, but, but when we care about people, uh, we care about their spiritual well-being and we want them to be at their best. You know, the best friends will encourage you in your walk with God. Uh, they'll, 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 they'll rejoice with you. They'll, they'll celebrate the good stories and, and testimonies of God's working in your life. That's the best kind of friends. You know, if you, if you, if you have a friend who is being influential in trying to lead you away from God, then you need to examine really what's going on there. The best friends will comfort you and will exhort you to keep going in serving the Lord. Well, I'm thankful for the people I can reach out to sometimes in my life when I just get overwhelmed by it all, who just encourage me to keep going. Uh, or will say something to me that will just give me some strength. Uh, good friends will enable you to do more for God with their presence and their help than you could do on your own. I'm grateful for people like that. Number five, listen carefully. Never let a new friendship separate an old one. We may add friends, but we should not replace our friends with newer versions. Never let a new friendship come into your life that may you to separate old ones. Listen carefully. Don't make mutual enemies a condition of your friendship. That's when you do this. You're not my friend anymore unless you turn against this person that I don't like as well. Never make mutual enemies a condition of friendship. Now, that's a hard one to deal with because sometimes someone... Okay, and, and that's when you've got to be particularly Christ-like and you've, you've got to not wish that, that ill on, that, on their relationship, even though there might be some difficulty in your relationship with the person. Don't... don't listen, there are, there, there are people who like people who I may not have warm feelings towards, but that's fine. That's, that is, our friendship is not conditional upon that we share mutual enemies. Are you understanding that? This is a big one. This is a big one. Don't do that to your friends. Don't say to your friends, well, you have to choose them or me. You're very foolish. That's not, that's not Bible. That's not scriptural. That would be like David saying to Jonathan, it's your dad or me. And he never did that. Don't, don't ever place people in a position like that where they, they have to choose one way like that. Uh, don't, don't make friendships conditional upon that. Don't let a new person who comes into your life suddenly separate you from friends of old who were there for you for a long time. Number six, you say, how many do you have? 33. No, I... <laughs> Truly, we used to have a preacher here. We really did. We used to have a preacher here. And he would get up and he would say, and I don't know why he ever told us, but he would get up and he would say, this morning, uh, I want to give you 29 points on the righteousness of Christ. And we thought it was a joke until, you know, an hour and a half later, point number 22... Truly, he used to do that. I have seven, all right? You feel better already, right? You're lighter. It's just, boy, you, you can smell lunch already. Uh, number six, important. When a friend fails or falls, 
We should be his advocate, not his judge. When a friend fails or falls, we should be his advocate, not his judge. 1 John 2.1 says, I love this verse, somebody should just preach on it. You preach on it and I'll come and listen. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He said this, it's, it's my wish for you that you would not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. You know what an advocate is? An advocate is someone who speaks for you. Uh, An advocate is someone who pleads your cause, seeking the best possible outcome for you. When, when, When you have an advocate, when you have a legal advocate, they take your cause and they're not the judge. They seek to get the best possible outcome for you. So that's what we need to be to our friends. If our friends fail or fall, number one, we don't need to tell everybody that. Let's let's go back to confidentiality and being careful. But let's become an advocate to our friends. Okay, what how how can I help you through this? What 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 can I do for you that will will be will be the best here? And it's very important that that if listen, if you have the kind of fickle friendship that when your friend fails at something uh, or disappoints you or does something, and you say, I, I just don't know how they did that, suddenly you become the judge. There's something, something wrong there about the whole premise of your friendship. Because there's no time when you're supposed to be the judge. An advocate is someone who comes along beside them. Wouldn't you do that for your kids? I mean, one of your kids got in trouble and you knew what they did was wrong and, and you, you, know, you, you wish they hadn't done it but they did something wrong. You, you don't go to the judge and say, throw the book at them and make their life as possible, worse as you possibly can. You don't do that. You come along beside them and you say, well, we need to help you and we need to get through this and we need to uh, find a way to... You're not, you're not in denial about what they did but you're not the judge. You're the advocate. You're there to help. And, and that's what the best friends do, is that, is that if our friends fail or fall, that we come along and stand beside them. I have pledged myself unto that principle. And I have friends all over the world and, and I've lived that principle. I I will stand beside my friends no matter what. And I believe we ought to do that. And the last thing, number seven, as we finish this morning, and I hope you'll reflect on some of these things and appropriate them in your own friendships. Number seven is this. Preserve your friendships as something of great value. Preserve your friendships. We throw away friendships far too easily. We cast off people far too easily when there's no need to. You say, but it's strained. Then let it be strained. Hopefully it'll come back and get better. Well, it's not quite how it was. Just give it some time. But don't go severing friendships and casting people away. You know, one day you'll get to your life and there'll just be no one around and you'll realise that you threw away a lot of good friends that God had brought into your life. And they weren't perfect and you didn't always agree, but they were gifted to you of God. And, and as you get older, you know, you'll realise that. In fact, let me say this about friendships. The longer you've had them, the more valuable they are. I have a special affinity with the people here who have been with me the longest. And, and, and I'm for, if you, if you just come in last week, I'm for you as well. And I hope you'll be here a long time. But, but there's just something about the people that we have walked with over a long, long period of time. 
And I think we need to be very careful in understanding that that is something of value. And that should, that should not, we should not allow circumstances or others or somebody's failings to, 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 lo- to sever that, to lose those things. I want to be there for my friends right to the end. My end or their end. And then, and then if it's their end first, I'll still celebrate their friendship after they've gone. And I'll, I'll honour their legacy. I'll call their name. I make it a point every time I come back to drive to the Lawn Cemetery up here. Uh, I've done it twice since I've been back here. And I will find my way and go around and I'll stop in front of the, the, uh, the burial plots of the people that I knew and that I presided over. And God is my witness many, many times, even in Thailand, I will say, Lord, thank you for so-and-so who's now gone. Thank you for so-and-so. They were a gift to me in my life and they helped me with this. And Lord, I don't forget that. And I'll, I'll speak their name out loud. And I purpose to do that. I'll say to Suzanne, go and print these pictures. I need, I need to get them up. I have pictures of friends in my Bible that I will not forget. And I'm just saying that, that it's, this, is, this is Christ-like. You're very immature to be throwing friends away. You'll realise one day you never had enough of them to do that. True friends. So the longer they've been there, the more valuable they are. Our friends are gifts of God to us to help us on the way, to help us in our life. And let me end by saying this. The greatest friend a man can have is Christ. Jesus is the greatest friend. And I, I, I really, I know that to be true. Uh, he's saviour. He's lord. He's master. He's God. But wonderfully, he also chooses to be friend. He chooses to be friend. And the greatest friend you can have is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ, when you have Christ, you'll have the greatest friend and he'll also give you some other friends. But do you know Christ this morning? Are you here today and today is the day that you should get saved. You should, you should pray a prayer today. You should call out to Jesus and say, I believe. I want you in my life. I want to be forgiven for my sins. I don't want to go to hell. I want to trust you. Maybe, maybe today is the day when you do that. Let me say again, this is, there's not some kind of religious breed. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Every person needs Christ because every person is a sinner. And if we die in our sins, we cannot go to heaven. Well, let's bow for a word of prayer as we finish. I'd like the song leader to get a song ready and make their way up to the front. I'd like the piano to come up and just play something quietly immediately. And let's bow for a word of prayer. As we're bowing for prayer, let me ask you today, uh, I'm going to be leaving here in about uh, three weeks. Okay, I have to go back to Thailand. I have to go back to the work I have. But if you're here today, it's not accidental that you're here. And I want to ask you about your soul. Uh, have you trusted Christ? Can you recall a time when you've trusted Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, today's the day. The Bible says to not put off something when God is speaking to us. And if you're here today and you need Christ and you want to resolve that today, I'd like to pray for you and I will do that. If there's anyone here this morning and you're looking up to me and and you can lift your head up and look at me and you say, Pastor Shemish, yeah, I get it. I need this and I I want to know Jesus today. Raise your hand. I won't come to you. I'll pray for you. If there's anyone there like that this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, You don't need to be embarrassed. Don't let somebody else hold you back from heaven. Don't let somebody else stop you. Or you say, what are people going to think? You feel a pressure from others. This is about your soul. 
your eternity. Anybody here like that this morning? In fact, I feel there are people like that here this morning. I feel there are. And I feel you're thinking about it right now. And I feel like right now there's a, there's a struggle going on in your soul between, between wanting to get this settled today but, but being frightened about what someone else will think. Or If there's anyone here today, I'll just slip your hand up. If everybody else has their eyes closed, just slip your hand up. Let me see it. I need to see your hand. I'll pray for you. I won't come down to you, but I'll pray for you. If there's anyone here like that today, and you need Christ. If you need Christ. I came to Christ in a church service. I'm not raised from a religious family. None of that. I don't just have a bent to religion. I found Christ in a church. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. If there's anyone here like that, last, last opportunity, I mean, anyone like that, just put your hand up. Pastor Shemish, pray for me. I need to receive Christ. I need to receive Christ. All right? Just before we sing our closing song, I wonder how many here this morning have just thought about some things about friendship and you've just, 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 your prayer would be, Lord, I want to be a better friend and I want to learn from these things here today. And I want, I, with God's help, I'm going to be more Christ-like in my conduct with my friends. How many people are here like that this morning? Yes. God bless you. Many, many, God bless you. Nothing wrong saying God spoke to me today about that. God, God bless you. And God help you. Yes, I see your hand. God help you. God bless you to just make some decisions. And yes, I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you down the back. I see your hand. All right, I'm going to pray that we're going to stand and sing a song together. And then the pastor will lead us in the dismissal of oh, well, what comes next. Let's pray. Father, uh, bless us, please, with the Word of God, the teaching we've heard this morning. Uh, thank you for this uh, time we've had together. Uh, thank you for the truths that you do show us in your Word and how they do help us if we'll but live them. And I pray, Lord, I pray if there be anybody here today who's not received Christ as their Saviour before they leave the church today, I pray they'd talk to someone about that. And I pray for these many others, Lord, who have raised their hand and others and have felt that maybe you've said some things to their heart about this matter of friendship. I ask for you to give them grace and strength and working of the Holy Spirit in their life to help them to be better friends and, and to model Christ-likeness in their conduct as a friend. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor.